Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the show. This week, I'm going one-on-one with friend of the podcast, David Pepos, who some of you might know from his outstanding work on comics like Spencer and Locke and Going to the Chapel, both from Action Lab Comics, or his recent and incredibly successful Kickstarter for The OZ, and soon, his upcoming series from Aftershock called Scout's Honor. David, thank you so much for joining me at the end of what has been an exhausting and emotional week. Uh, no, thank you so much for having me. Um, you know, I, I'm excited to be here. Uh, you know, talking comics, um, it feels a little bit like normalcy in a very abnormal time. So, uh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for happen, uh, for having me. And I'm excited to chat about these books. Yeah, man, absolutely. It's funny that you mentioned coming back to the show because I've actually gone back and done a little math. And, uh, this is your fifth time on the podcast, if I'm not mistaken. so You can't five, get rid of me. No, and apparently five more interviews and you get a free sub. So definitely look <laughs> forward excited. to that. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll keep my punch card. <laughs> speaking of which, uh, my first question for you, if you were to go to a deli, what would be your go-to ingredients for a delicious submarine sandwich? Oh, man. Um, you know, I, I, could, I could probably do... Uh, some nice pastrami, some nice, uh, uh, some nice uh, beef brisket. Um, you know, I uh, get maybe a little avocado in the mix. Um, okay. Some some aioli on there. Um, you know, uh, depending on how I'm feeling, you know, I mean, I probably should get some lettuce on there. That'd probably be a little healthier. Yeah, maybe a little me. bit of green. Um, so, you know, a little bit of green. Uh, some tomato and onion. Um, you know, it, it, it all that sounds pretty good uh, maybe get a little thousand island on the side i don't want to overindulge uh, <laughs> but uh yeah that all sounds that all sounds pretty good right now remember uh, when you could just walk into a deli and order something like that and it wasn't this like epic journey into Mordor? Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah you know you got to strap the mask on and, and and go to the supermarket yeah it's it's a it's a it's a whole different era oh man it's amazing how uh routine that stuff had become in even just a few short weeks of having to do it you know it's like grabbing your car keys to leave the house you grab your hand sanitizer you grab your mask and it's just the way the world is right now it's it's weird watching movies and 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 tv shows where they're at a sporting event or where they're at a club um i still am kind of like oh that's not safe um and (laughs) uh yeah i mean you know i and you're, you know, you're talking to somebody whose business plan up until uh, a few months ago was convention, 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 right, and now right. sort of that that feels like going to a different planet um, as far as uh, feasibility is concerned at this point. Has that really thrown you off of your course in terms of not being able to do those shows? Like, have you had to reorient your whole plan of attack? 
Uh, yeah, I've definitely, I've, de- I, I can't, you know, to be honest, I can't think of anybody who hasn't pivoted. Um, and if they haven't pivoted, that's their mistake. Uh, but yeah, I definitely, <laughs> you know, I, I was doing, uh, you know, upwards of a dozen shows a year. I think last year I had done 15 and I think I was wow. scheduled to do 18 this year and wow. I only managed to do two. Um, uh, and so, yeah, you know, uh, pivoting to digital, uh, you know, things like, uh, you know, my Kickstarter for the OZ. Um, hey, segue. And, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, that has sort of been pivoting to online and digital and sort of working with different publishers. Um, that has kind of been my, my, my new plan of attack because, yeah, you want to be able to sort of get your FaceTime with readers and without conventions, it's a lot harder to do that. So you really have to kind of think outside of the box. Right, right, right. Do you ever feel limited with that stuff? Uh basically like using Twitter and having a follow count of, of so much, but I guess the retweets uh, help from that and then support from other creators as well. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and, and the thing is, is, um, you know, depending on how you're doing it, the metrics can be very different. You know, Kickstarter, for example, the metrics are very different than a direct market book. And it's in part because I'm not sharing anything with a publisher and, you know, we can charge uh, sort of, what's more than what is considered the uh, the comic book shop price because readers know it's coming directly from the creators. Right. Uh, and so, you know, the metrics are, are, are a little bit more sustainable. Uh, I for sure plan on continuing to, to, to make Kickstarter uh, a, a huge part of my uh, business doing moving forward because, you know, seeing the OZ, everybody was so excited and so um, supportive of how that book went. Um, and I think the, the, that said, um, you know, I, I consider myself fortunate. You know, I I I, I still freelance. I, I live in a dual income household. I don't have kids. Um, I'm not. I'm okay financially. And so seeing, you know, the industry as as a whole is kind of contracted a little bit. And for me, it's actually been a little bit freeing emotionally. Um, you know, I think I think so much of the direct market it feels like a rat race and you're sort of you you it there's this push to compete even though i don't think that's the particularly the healthiest thing for this industry or for me as a creator um you know there's a limited amount of shelf space there's a limited amount of publisher slots and i think now everybody's in the same boat and mm-hmm. every you know and so honestly you know the diamond shutdown while horrific for our industry oh, yeah uh, was really good for my productivity uh, because I wasn't spending all this time thinking, oh man, like you know, uh, I, sh- I I have to be getting a book out this time, this time, this time, and this time, uh, or people are going to forget about me. This was oh no, nothing's coming out right now, and it kind of cut out all the background noise. Um, and so, uh, you know, granted, I think the last couple of weeks have been nothing but background noise. Um, <laughs> but I'm, uh, you know, I think as the dust settles post election. Um, you know, I, I've been more pro- weirdly. I've been more productive in 2020 than I have been any other year, um, and so I, I, yeah, I think I think staying at home means I get to focus on the work, and I think that's something that is easy to overlook. Mm-hmm. What do you do? You do anything special to keep yourself motivated? Do you have like a vision board or anything <laughs> like that, or or like a document in your your Google folder? Or yeah. Whatever? Uh, lots of Google Docs, and to be honest, um, for me, 
uh, list writing is kind of my way of visualizing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so it's almost like a mantra where I, I, you know, every few weeks I will open up a new Google Doc and I'll write what I remember. And I'll say, okay, these are the books that I like. And if I remember those books, then clearly they're sticking around. And if I don't remember the book, then it's for the best and I wasn't going to do anything with it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I sort of have – it's kind of an evolving Google vision board, so to speak. Um, I, I've got a pretty long backlog of books that I want to write. Uh, I want to say – I think I have like another ten wow. um, that I that I want to be writing. Um, so I'm not hurting in terms of of creative ideas. Uh, it's just really it's just bandwidth and time. Yeah. Um, I I wish that I was a faster writer. That's kind of the, the, my biggest regret. But my theory is I would rather take the time to make sure it gets done right then kind of rush through and um so yeah i i you know it's the only person i'm raising at this point is myself um and uh so as far as that goes i'll 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 accept however long it has to take so when you like when you say that you have something like 10 projects do you take notes as you have ideas for them and keep those ideas in like in the bucket or because I mean, if you have 10 projects and you don't, let's say you don't get to one for like four years. Sure. Do you, that, then, that does happen. Yeah. Do you then start to forget kind of the hooks and the, and the threads that you were planning for that story? I think the, 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 the hooks and threads always evolve. And right, so right. my, my, my theory is kind of, if it's not, you know, I, I don't rush to say, okay, I'm going to hit like 10 different stories at once. Whereas I'm sort of thinking, okay, um, once I get to it, I will be a better writer than I was when I came up with it. Um, and so I, it's, it's sort of, I try to tackle one or two writing projects at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's sort of, it's weird for me. I consider it, it's different muscle groups, you know, uh, of writing a project versus doing the project management of a project versus the promotion of a project. I think those are three very different muscle groups for me. And um, and it's tough because, you know, you can only do so much simultaneously. Uh, you know, for example, when I was pushing the OZ, I was really exercising that promotional muscle group as hard as I could for 30 days. And uh, so as a result, of course, my my writing output was diminished. Um, I did some writing, right. but you know, when you're doing, I think I did something like 70 podcasts that month. Like it wow. just, yeah, it's, and, and it's not just the talking. I love the talking as you can tell. Um, <laughs> it, it, you know, I, I enjoy chatting. Uh, that's, that's, that's the easy part. Uh, it's the finding everybody and the coordinating everybody. That's kind of the, the challenging part. Um, that's the part that kind of you know sticks like a splinter in your brain um, until the Kickstarter's over. So, um, but yeah, it's like after that gets done, it's like oh boy, there's so much more writing I I, I want to be doing. And on top of that, it's sort of like oh I'm out of shape. Um, you know, I sort of have to like get back into the shape of things and and and, and build my momentum back. So um, yeah, I I feel like um, 
for me, my biggest motivation is just guilt. <laughs> um, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a nice traditional Jewish household, so that was what I was fed a steady diet of. And um, so I'm always kind of like, Ugh, I, you know, there's there's these stories that I still need to finish. And I think I'm looking at my list right now, and there are, let's see, uh, there are seven series that I need to just write. And then there are two that are in the middle, no, three in the middle of getting art done. And a fourth one that I need to find an art team for. Wow. Uh, so that, so that's sort of, yeah, that's, 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 that's the barrel that I'm always staring down. Um, but uh, on the other hand, it's kind of nice it, it it hasn't been since the first volume of Spencer and Locke that I've been like, oh no, I don't like, I don't have any ideas in my back pocket. What do I do next? Um, I kind I knew what I was going to do for Spencer and Locke two, and and had an idea for Spencer and Locke three, but I was just like, I don't know what else I'd, I'd write after this. I didn't know if I I didn't know if people were going to hate that book, and um, now I'm kind of like, oh, I've got such a lengthy backlog of ideas that that'll keep me busy for probably the next three or four years. Huh. And by then I'm hoping I'll be a better writer. So I'll be like, okay, like, you know, once I've turned through all those ideas and learned from them, what's going to be the next step. Right. So, uh, so yeah, you know, I, I feel like uh, it's, yeah, the, 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 the future seems, uh, the future seems bright. The future at least seems interesting. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, excited to kind of see where everything goes um because yeah some some fun stuff kind of coming down the horizon that's awesome man i'm really i'm stoked for you i'll always love hearing your updates and that you've got more stories in the uh in the hopper that's awesome yes yes so with the oz you had seen over forty six thousand dollars pledged uh of the six thousand dollar goal yeah. Now that the campaign uh, for the first issue is all over, yeah. how do you feel? And did you do anything to celebrate when the campaign was over? Um, so I'm not celebrating yet because I'm still fulfilling. Um, once everything is shipped, then I, I will celebrate. We're still um, the 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 books uh, are going to be on their way soon. Uh, the printer is printing them now, mm-hmm. um, and then are, are, we'll be shipping them from Florida to to, to where I live in Los Angeles. Um, so they, I believe, that's going to be in the next like two weeks. Um, so uh, thankfully, I've gotten everything ready that I can get ready um, for. Uh, for, for for the uh, fulfillment so far, so I've just got uh, I think it's almost uh, I think it's almost ten thousand bags and boards just oh waiting. Oh my god! Um, uh, and and uh, I've I think I've packed something like three hundred trades already um, of just what people have ordered. So um, I, I, I'm blown away by the response to it, um, and I think it just it 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 felt very vindicating. Um, you know, the comics industry sometimes doesn't know what they have in front of it. And, um, you know, they, they have their, their processes that work for them. They work just well enough. And sometimes that can give them a little bit of tunnel vision as far as what they acquire. Um, and 2020 is, if there's any lesson that I've learned in 2020, it's that I'm not waiting for permission to tell stories anymore. 
Damn right. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like um, I wrestle with self-doubt every single day. Mm-hmm. If I have a story that I feel confident enough about that I am not feeling self-doubt about, I'm going to tell it. And I, I and whether or not I have to self-publish it out of spite, I'll do it. And so I, I feel like uh, the OZ was kind of me putting my money where my mouth is. And it turns out that there was a lot of money where my mouth is. Um, and the the thing that kind of is the real pinch me moment for, for this is that's just part one. There are we're still planning on doing at least two more Kickstarters, possibly three. Ooh. Um, you know, we still have part two and three um, of the, 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 the stories themselves. And then uh, likely we'll be doing uh, another one for a, for a collected version. And so um, that's really empowering for me as a creator. Um, it means that I get to just work with my team directly. Nobody's calling any shots besides us. And I trust my team implicitly. Uh, Ruben Rojas, Whitney Kogar, DC Hopkins are all just incredible at what they do. Um, I've seen uh, the print proofs of issue one, and they are just pinch me incredible. <laughs> and uh, uh, that's just that's just part one. So um, you know, like we were talking about um, a little bit before the the the, the podcast started, um, I I'm. I'm going to be on Kickstarter for the long haul. Um, I, I, you know, uh, the Kickstarter community has been so welcoming um, and has made it so, you know, we can keep telling these kinds of stories uh, without, you know, without going into financial debt, without, uh, you know, uh, being in the red for, for, you know, for years. Um, and the thing is, is that these publishers, you know, I can tell you when that Kickstarter went off, Suddenly, suddenly, a lot of people who weren't responding to my emails started responding to my emails. Oh, I bet, I bet. Um, amazing and how that happens. Amazing how that happens. And uh, the and like I said, this is only the beginning. Um, so I'm I'm very excited. The future is very bright for that series. Um, you know, I for me, a lot of the pressure is off because it's already written. The whole book is written. Mm-hmm. So at this point, it's just I get to you know check in with Ruben and say, hey. What's the art looking like? Oh, that art looks gorgeous. Cool. Keep me posted. And um, and so, you know, I get to have fun at this point. Now it's just the artwork coming in. Uh, but, yeah, it's just um, – it was really an unbelievable kind of moment uh, with that book. And, uh, you know, it, it feels a little like Spencer and Locke. You know, uh, uh, a lot of people said it couldn't be done. And uh, it's very vindicating to prove them wrong. Let's talk about Scout's Honor. Yeah. Let's talk about Scout's honor. So, uh, in my opinion, you are a bona fide master of the elevator pitch. Thank you. So, if you would, can you please give us the spin for Scout's honor? Uh, So, yeah, Scout's honor, it's uh, the story of uh, years after a nuclear apocalypse, a cult has risen from the ashes, and their Bible is an old Boy Scout manual. And so... (laughs) Scout's Honor picks up generations later uh, with a young ranger scout named Kit. And Kit has a secret. Um, the ranger scout society, you know, this sort of survivalist cult, only allows men to serve. And so Kit has had to hide her identity as a woman in order to pursue her calling as a ranger scout. Mm-hmm. And 
when Kit discovers this kind of dark secret at the heart of the Ranger Scouts' foundation, um, she's going to kind of lose her religion a bit, and she's going to have to risk everything that she's known to on this dangerous quest to, to, to find the truth. So I, I've described it as, as a sort of Fallout meets uh, the original Mulan, meets a little bit of Handmaid's Tale. Uh, it's I, I've called it our, our post-apocalyptic coming-of-age story. Um, <laughs> it, it's it, you know it's 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 um, it's an action-packed uh, post-apocalyptic story about losing your religion, and uh, it's I think surprisingly kind of the most spiritual thing I've ever written. It certainly speaks I think to my uh, spiritual journey. Uh, you know, being raised uh, you know as as, uh, as a Jewish writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of how my take on faith and religion has sort of evolved and mutated uh, over the years. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm I'm really stoked about this book. Uh, you know, really happy with the uh, the team that uh, uh, my editors at Aftershock have put together. Uh, my editors Mike Martz and Christina Harrington, uh, working with my artist uh, Luca Casalinguida, uh colorist Matt Miller. Uh, Carlos Manguel on uh, lettering, and then uh, Andy Clark uh, with his terrific uh, covers with uh, Jose Villarubia on colors. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm really excited with uh, how this book ha- has turned out, uh, and uh, yeah, can't wait for uh, readers to get to check it out. Hell yeah, man! So speaking of your your other contributors on this book, how did you all hook up with one another? I think kind of off air, you said that this was a different experience for you. Yeah, this is this is definitely this is a, a different experience. Um, you know, working with Aftershock um, in in as many ways, you know, has just as much in common with working creator owned as it does uh, almost a, as a work for hire kind of structure. And by that, I mean, you know, in my previous books, um, I've been the de facto editor on all of them. Um, you know, for for publishers. This is a little bit inside baseball, but it might help people. For for publishers like Action Lab or SourcePoint or Scout, uh, just to name a few, uh, you know, or Image for that matter, they want you to have your whole team together. So you choose your team, you figure out what deal you're going to make with them, how you're going to finance it. Um, you're the one calling all of the shots. Whereas if you're working with a place like Aftershock or Boom, they like to do matchmaking. Um, you know, they really want to help develop the, the, the project alongside you. So that was a really new experience for me, um, you know, because uh, especially working with uh, with Mike Martz, who I, I've known uh, actually since I graduated college. I used to intern for Mike uh, under oh, wow. Mike at DC Comics in, in the summer of 08. Uh, he was working on uh, Grant Morrison's Batman at the time. Um, and so, uh, you know, I've, I've known Mike for over a decade. And so, uh, yeah, so this was, this was a case of, of matchmaking. Uh, you know, uh, Mike and Christina, uh, had seen Luca's work and were like, oh, he, he looks like an awesome guy to tackle this sort of post apocalyptic Boy Scout story. And what's funny is I had actually reached out to Luca years ago about another project. Um, and so I was familiar with his work. Um, he's got this, you know, very, uh, Italian by way of Joe Kubert kind of style. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very, he's got, he, Luca works with contrast really well, like, uh, either very sort of open, clean, lit, 
spaces or like very dark, heavy shadow. And um, so, yeah, it doesn't look like any other book that I've worked on. No, it, it really um, doesn't. I've seen some of the preview pages. Yeah, and so, um, but yeah, it's just it, it's it's uh, it's been a fun team. Uh, Matt Miller is doing some uh, amazing work on it as well. Um, I've been a fan of Matt's uh, since his work on Daredevil uh, with Ron Garney, um, and so uh, yeah, it's just you know uh, working with with a really uh, a great uh, great group, and um, yeah. And, and, you know, the, the team at Aftershock has been uh, really supportive uh, of the project and of my work. And so, um, yeah, it's just – it's been a very different experience for me. And it's because, you know, I have worked in the, the true indie trenches where, <laughs> you know uh, – and I, I think I've spoken about this at length elsewhere. But it's, it's you know, um, a place like Action Lab has been wonderful because they give me the latitude to kind of do whatever I want. But it's also because like they don't really have the staff or the bandwidth to 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 do otherwise. You sure. know, they, yeah. they, they their hands are full just getting the books out. Um, and so working at a place like Aftershock, it, it's definitely it's the next stage. Um, you know, it's the it's 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 the next size of publisher. Um, and that has been uh, a really fun learning curve for me. Uh, sort of being like, oh, there's a press guy. Uh, you know, oh, there's somebody that you know, Adam Freeman, who's been wonderful to to work with. You know, uh, coordinating uh, variant covers for stores. Um, that is not anything I've ever dealt with with a book, and uh, I always consider comics to be a learning experience. Um, you know, you're always going to have to learn new stuff and always are having to up your game. Yeah. And so I've been really grateful to the crew at Aftershock uh, for you know letting me learn all this all this new stuff uh, by working with them. Have you had to learn like any kind of new levels of restraint? Like you talk about doing your own editing and, and handling your own books and your and your own stories and stuff like that to, to hand that over to other people. Like the way you talk about it, it sounds like it's been a very positive experience, but has there been yeah. a point where you've had to learn to let go of certain things? Yes, uh, for sure. I mean, in a, because the difference between Scout's Honor and my other books is my other books, I've been the editorial conduit. Um, I talk to every single member of the team about every single detail. And uh, whereas for Scout's Honor, I'm not that editorial conduit. And so in certain ways, it can uh, it can be a little bit of a game of telephone, uh, especially, you know, um, Luca doesn't speak English. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're translating everything through his agent. So um, so it 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 becomes sort of you better measure twice, cut once. Sure, uh, because yeah. there's you're not going to have that opportunity for back and forth, and so um, that that has been that has been sort of the big learning experience for me is being like okay like how how do I get to be more precise in the way that I write my scripts and how do I get to be more precise in the way that I give notes because we're only going to get you know usually one shot uh, especially because you know there's a deadline to hit now um, and. Uh, on top of that, and this is a process that I learn with every book, um, and so it's something I think that will always be my big challenge as a creator is, is sort of, like you said, it's learning when to let go. It's learning what hills are you going to die on versus the ones you won't. Um, and so 
for me, that has been sort of the experience is being like, okay, like not being so fussy with your vision and saying, okay, like this is what you had written and this is the thing your artist has drawn and looking at it as, oh, what is your artist adding to the mix? And then how can you uh, uh, adjust your writing to sort of put a spotlight on that? So it's it's sort of I think it's it's teaching me to be even more of a team player, um, and I think that comes from not having to be the editorial conduit anymore. Is that suddenly it's not you are not just the leader of the project anymore. You are a member of the team, and so you kind of get to work a little bit more in tandem mm-hmm. with with your with your art team. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's sort of. You know, it's a little counterintuitive. It's sort of the the, the, the zen of doing by not doing. Um, but yeah, I think it's been uh, it's been a really good experience for me, especially you know as somebody who wants to continue working in this industry. I've said for ages that I want to be a thirty year man. I want to be a, you know like a Grant Morrison or a Dan Slott. Mm-hmm. And um, ultimately, you know, Mike and Christina, uh, who have been uh, amazing editors, you know, they have come from that big two background um you know mike having worked at marvel and dc um and even valiant way back in the day uh, and christina had worked at marvel before going to, to aftershock um i consider this i'm like oh this is exactly the kind of training i need uh to be working with editors in the future so um yeah it, it's it's been a really fun experience it's certainly one that's really inspired my a game um i it's interesting, uh, you know. Scouts Honor was my quarantine book. Um, I wrote the majority of this series under lockdown, hmm. and I think that also kind of had a little bit of, of an impact on the way that the the, the flavor of this book. Um, you know, I. It's funny. For a long time, I really resisted writing anything post-apocalyptic I, I i call it magical thinking but i was sort of worried like oh you know is the stuff that you're writing is that going to be the stuff you put into the world um you know and having things being what they are things being or the way they been, were i should say yeah the, you know th- the way things have been the last four years you know um it was sort of like oh i don't know if i can continue and some of it is you know, I mean, this was the pitch that, you know, Aftershock as an entity really responded to. But I realized that instead of viewing it as, oh, man, if you write about a dystopian future, are you sort of bringing a dystopian future to the world? I realized, no, this is the story of kind of breaking through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the story of of seeing a dystopia, finally seeing it for what it is. And as you've seen it for what it is, then figuring out what, where can we go from here? And that, oh, I'm sorry, that go feels ahead. hopeful. I was just gonna say that that feels hopeful to me, and I feel like that's a through line for a lot of my work, which on the face of it you could see is particularly bleak, but I think there's always that it's that redemptive arc that that that's the backbone of all of my work. Um, it's always showing that there is a better future ahead of us. Uh, and that's something that I think, if anything, you know, this week, you know, the, we're talking the Sunday after the election. Mm. Um, I think, you know, that's 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 something that I want to put out into the universe. 
I love it, man. I love it. Uh, I love see. I love getting together with you every couple of months or every mm-hmm. little while because I I feel like I there's this David Pepos evolution that is <laughs> happening before my eyes, and I just you haven't seen my final form. No, not yet, not yet. <laughs> Uh, so okay, I uh, let me think about this for a second. Yeah, what was what was different about Scout's Honor that you decided to shop it to? Like, you didn't go the Spencer and Locke or the going the chapel route for yeah. the creation of this book. Was this a conscious decision to kind of take a different approach to the creation this time around? Was there something sure. special about the story that signaled yeah. to you like I need to do? I need to do a different level of, of what I've been doing. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because it's, you know, comics, there's so much that you can plan and then there are things that you just can't plan. And so, um, I laugh cause Scout's honor was, was, you know, all of my books are my babies and Scout's honor sometimes feels like my oopsie baby. Um, you know, like, <laughs> Oh, I wasn't planning on having this baby, but here it is. I'm excited. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 so uh, I've been talking with Aftershock for a very long time. I've been talking with them since the first volume of Spencer and Locke came out. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I've known Mike uh, for, like I said, since I graduated college. Um, Steve Rotterdam, um, I've known him since his days at DC. Uh, wonderful guy, real sweetheart. Um, Ruth Ann Thompson, um, uh, I've known um, just from meeting her at various signings that we've done together in Los Angeles. Um, Lee Kramer, um, super wonderful, supportive guy. Um, so I feel like I've known a lot of the Aftershock crew for, for a little while now. And so we've been talking for quite a bit of we want to do a project together. We want to do a project together. We want to find the right project together. And so for me, you know, there are certain projects that I'm already fairly far along on that I've either written the scripts already or I've written a full outline for. And so, uh, however, there are certain publishers that kind of their, their development process is very different. And so, uh, the way that it worked for me with Aftershock and granted it's very different, I think for, for, for a lot of different people in a lot of different places, you know, they had read my work, they had liked my work and they were like, okay, what are some log lines of some stuff that you like? Um, and that way we can kind of pick from that what we're into or what we're most into. And then you can kind of develop that and we can see if we we're on the same page. And if we are on the same page, then we'll, we'll, we'll run with the book. And so it's funny. I, I had sent them a fairly long list. I, I, I had had lunch with Lee Kramer here in Los Angeles and he had said, Oh, you know, send me what you got. And I said, do you have like a limit of what you got? And he's like, no, send me whatever you got. And I was like, Oh, that is your mistake. <laughs> uh, I think I sent him like 10 log lines or something like that. And what's funny is there are certain, you know, I had certain ideas that had been in, in the works for a while. Uh, I know we had talked about the OZ at one point. Um, and that, that project didn't work out, uh, because they, uh, there, there's a certain issue count that aftershock usually goes for. And the OZ was longer than that. Um, but what's funny is I had in those log lines, I had some ideas that have been percolating for a long time. Um, I had some that were kind of brand new in, in, to the mix. And Scout's Honor was in that latter category. Um, I had only come up with that idea a couple weeks prior is that I had said, you know, what would be interesting is, uh, you know, 
we have these gaps in our history, you know, the, you know, the dark ages, for example. And what if sort of the only reminder from the old world was something that didn't really represent the old world at all? And sort of what would, what would history and what would society turn into if say the Bible was a Boy Scout manual? Um, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I think I think at one point I had written a Dungeons and Dragons manual and I had said, oh, well, that would be a very short lived apocalypse. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, Boy Scout manual is kind of like, oh, that really speaks to, I think, a lot of uh, America's pathologies, you know, a yeah, sort sure. of the a sort of the uh, the self-determination and, and the, uh, the 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 the. Uh, masculinity maybe even machismo uh you know of 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 the country sort of the macho uh, drive uh to sort of conquer and dominate um i was like oh that could be kind of that could be kind of cool and interesting and what's funny is i had that on my list and i was like eh, it's i don't really you know it's a, it's a, it's on the list and uh, that was the one that everybody was like, oh, that's I love that idea. And, you know, aftershock loved that idea. My reps loved that idea. Uh, I was kind of like, oh, there, maybe there's maybe there's something here. And Scouts Honor, as the story the story evolved several times um, over the course of, of development, because you know uh, my philosophy is always a good high concept gets your foot in the door, but it like it doesn't keep you there. You know, you, the, the character work is what keeps you there. And so having sort of an emotional core to it really meant something to me. Um, Scout's honor in a lot of ways is about the corrosive power of secrets hmm. and sort of how it can be painful at times for that pursuit of truth. Uh, I thought it was really important that our main character kit for example, uh, you know, her big secret is that she is in a society that would not let her serve, or would not let her follow her true calling if they knew who she really was. Sure. Um, and so the idea of that she has to keep a part of herself hidden in order to sort of pursue what she considers her true self, that feels like internal conflict right there. And then when she realizes that, oh, her society also has a very big secret that it's been keeping from her and sort of that that feeling of okay how do i get my bearings from here and where do i go forward from here um i think that is important and um you know a big dynamic that we'll be picking up a lot on the series is uh kit's relationship with um with her best friend des and des is he's he's a true believer um He's got secrets of his own that he has not shared with anyone. But, um, you know, it's sort of you have these best friends and then watching their paths suddenly very much diverge and turning into something a little bit more toxic and almost sort of a rivalry. Hmm. Um, it feels like something, despite the post-apocalyptic setting and despite sort of turning the Boy Scout laws into uh, these seven commandments – and, uh, you know, it feels a little bit relatable in a way, a little, a little bit universal. And, um, so yeah, it's been, it's been a, a fun journey kind of to, to get into these characters' heads a bit. And I think it definitely has spoken to my own upbringing a bit. Um, indeed. Wow, man, you, you really just set up these questions, I swear. 
Um, all right, I'll double back around to to my other question. But since you're you're talking about your upbringing, uh, you mentioned yeah. in the Hollywood Reporter article that came out uh, that watching <laughs> your two younger brothers serve as Boy Scouts was a major inspiration for this comic. Were yeah. you ever given an opportunity to join the Scouts, or were you when you were young, I, or was this something no. that only they were afforded? So, um, I, 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 I'm, I'm the oldest in my family. And so I think, I think my parents, uh, God love them. They, they, I was still a little bit of a learning curve for them. Uh, so there are certain opportunities that I missed out on, uh, you know, organized sports, boy scouts. Um, my brothers, I was, I was about nine when my younger siblings were born. Uh, my younger siblings are triplets, which is, is, is always oh, a while. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah, and so um, so I was nine when they were born, uh, almost to the day. And so, yeah, my younger brothers both served uh, briefly as Boy Scouts. Um, they, like me, are not necessarily much of joiners, so <laughs> it, the, the experience uh, was, I think, fairly short-lived. But, you know, a lot of my friends growing up uh, were Boy Scouts. Like I said, my brothers were Boy Scouts. And watching it closely, um, I was kind of like, this – I don't want to say it seems a little culty, but you know, it kind of seemed a little culty. Like, you know, you've got, there's so much pageantry and so many bylaws and rules that go into it. And there's the outfits and I, you know, it's, it was all about, you know, self-sufficiency and sort of, you know, teaching these practical skills to young boys. And, but you know, it's sort of take that to the logical extreme and you, you can see very easily how it can turn into sort of this survivalist cult that we've got in, in, in scouts honor mm-hmm. um for me what's been so interesting is you know it's it, once you start digging in to the research of and the history of the scouts um there's a lot of iconography that you can play with that i thought was uh particularly interesting for me um the badges for example you know the idea of seeing being able to have a visual signifier of an entire military troop's skills, just being able to look at it and say, that's our demolitions guy. That's our tactical driving guy because that's the merit badges that they've gotten. Um, that seemed really cool. And I, I, I think that's something that we're talking about internally to try to see if we can actually have merit badges uh, for shops. Oh, man, uh, so should make like enamel pins. Yeah, so we're 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 in the early stages of talking about it, and so fingers crossed, we're able to kind of we'll be able to pull that off. Uh, but yeah, you know, or just the fact that there are there are scout commandments, and those reading them, they were they were a little dystopian, even the original ones. Um, you know, saying that like you will obey your scoutmaster without question. Hmm. Um, that is something that I'm like, oh, that is something that can be twisted very easily. Um, you know, having, you know, our our uh, seven scout laws were sort of uh, based on some of the scout actual scout laws that I'm like, oh, that's something that that those look like some monkey's paw kind of laws. Um, <laughs> that you know that that you better be careful with how you phrase them because they could be twisted in a very uh, very bad way for somebody who's on the receiving end. Um, you know, even just, you know, the, the, the Boy Scouts controversies, uh, you know, uh, about dealing, you know, uh, about how they have shunned uh, gay youth 
or how they've yeah. segregated against, you know, how they had segregated for years uh, against women. Um, you know, those all played a big role in the shaping of the story because it's one of those things. And I think you can make the same argument in the world that we're living in today is what one demographic might see as this shining example of our, our heritage and our self-sufficiency and our, our values as strong self, you know, strong self-sufficient Americans. Um, that past doesn't always look quite as rosy to other people. Hmm. Um, yeah, I gotta tell you, man, living in Canada, it's been, uh, it's been pretty interesting to, to get Canadians take on what's been going on in the U S especially during yeah. this last week. Yeah. It, it's, it's been, I mean, it's like I, like, like I was telling you earlier, um, who'd have thought of stories about overthrowing a dystopian regime would be in right now. Um, <laughs> I, you know, it's, 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 uh, but yeah, I think, I think these, these, if you want to call them, if you want to call it the culture war, um, you know, or at least the battle for the soul of America. These, this is these are stories about our history, and how our history has been kind of mutated and misread and, and perverted, and still using it to map out our future. Yeah, and that scouts on her to a T. Is you know you, when you've sort of cut off your entire history, and you're left trying to piece it together. Uh, you don't necessarily know how distorted it is. And that's Kit's journey is um, I think a lot of my books in the past have been about people dealing with longstanding trauma of uh, stuff that has happened to them in the past that they are just trying to grapple with well into their, in, into, into their present scouts honor is a little different. This is Kit being traumatized now and sort of immediately having to kind of roll with it and immediately having to figure out, yeah, okay, where, where am I going from here? But the thing is that the thing that I, I kind of want to make clear about this book is it's, I wouldn't say it's an anti-religion book. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up Jewish. Um, and I think that is still a very important part of who I am. Uh, you know, but I think it's very different than say the way that my parents have embraced it. Uh, my parents, I think, have really embraced the full spiritual side of it all, and I think that's really helped them through 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 dark periods of their lives. For me, I don't necessarily subscribe to that, but I do feel like there's there's a historical component to it. Um, you know that there are many many Jewish people who have died. Um, you know, trying to sort of eke out the barest minimum of of observing. And I sort of see my level of observance as I, I always call it throwing a, a, a penny into the well of the universe. Um, and you don't know what's going to happen, but you do something sort of just out of memory of those who can't. And you try to take the values, the, the, the moral values from it that you can of sort of, you know, sticking up for the little guy. Um, of knowing what it's like to be the little guy. And that's something that, that, that Kit is going to grapple with in this story as well. It's, it's not about just throwing out the baby with the bathwater. This is about, you know, Kit's really going to be wrestling with losing her religion and figuring out, is there anything that can stay? Is there, are, is there anything positive of the, 
the ranger scout training that's worth keeping um it's sort of navigate it's it's how i imagine a lot of people felt in the aftermath of the the catholic church scandals mm-hmm. of sort of how do you how do you hold on to the religion that has shaped you while still navigating um sort of the corrupt human infrastructure of it all right i would think at that point you would have to make it your own yeah you you would you would have to look at the parts of it that you identify with most and the parts that inspire you and maybe create something new from that from from the wreckage if you will absolutely i mean you know it's it's funny i i don't talk about this much in interviews but i think for this book in particular especially at this moment of time in which we're talking i I think it's important in that um i i grew up in a pretty conservative household in missouri uh for a long time for a long time i thought i was a republican um i it wasn't until i left home um and met people who had different political beliefs that i realized oh what I thought I was raised to believe is not – that's not who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I distinctly remember a, 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 a buddy of mine freshman year sitting me down saying, are you pro-choice? I said, yes. Uh, you know, not my place to say what somebody can do with their body. Uh, they said, are you pro-gun control? I said, yes, I hate guns. They said, are you pro-having a, a welfare net? I said, of course. Everybody's one bad day away from being broke. They said, you're a Democrat. <laughs> uh, I said, oh, but you know that was a big culture shock, a big wake up call for me. Yeah. And um and sort of you know as I got older, you know I mean I you know I graduated into the recession. Um I've lived through the last four years. Um there's I, there's no way I would ever vote a Republican ticket ever again. No 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 I, um, I think that they've they've burned any and all uh, faith that they ever had. But I, I think that that journey speaks a lot mm-hmm. to Scout's honor because, you know, it's sort of that feeling of you think you know the world and you think you know your place in it. And then what happens when the rug gets completely pulled out from underneath you and you realize that all these things you thought were true are absolutely not. And you sort of have to kind of rebuild your own perspective. And – I, I think my upbringing as you know in a in a in a conservative midwestern Jewish household, and then seeing where I've I've gone now as uh, you know the, the, the uh, uh, a, a liberal perhaps more secular Jew on the on, on the West Coast, um, that journey I think is really reflected in Scout's Honor, and I think that's the thing that really made me fall in love with Kit as a character is she's finally she's she has woken up to something that she's perhaps not the most comfortable with and figuring out how to make things right and how she can sort of position reposition herself now that she's got new information and hopefully that's something that uh everybody can do damn dude i want to read this book (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, can you tease the length of the book at all? Is it a limited yeah, series? five issues. Five, five issues. issues, okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, I believe they're putting finishing touches in the last issue now. Wow. Um, uh, so, 
yeah, I, I, um, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of you know where where it's at. I mean, book is uh, has been long written. Um, I think. Let's see. I I started work on it um, a little over a year ago. Um, I I had pitched it. I guess it was last August. Um, got got the uh, the green light to start working on it on October told that they were picking up the book on Christmas or around then. And then we got our contract signed right as the pandemic started. Hmm. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, it's been, you know, so I've, I kind of marathoned my way through writing this book. Um, I, you know, I, I, like I said, this was one of the books that I wrote during the pandemic and, um, in a way it was a little cathartic. Uh, you know, just, just the idea of, I, you know, at the time things were very scary when I started writing this book, um, where I was just like, oh man, we're in a pandemic. We don't know how bad it is at this point. We don't know how you can even get it at this point. Um, you know, uh, what, and, and to be honest, I, you know, I was used to going out, sure, you know, yeah. and now it's sort of, how do you, how do you live your life? Kind of just tucked in in one spot and um, writing it has been really cathartic for me um, where it's, it, it shows that like, yeah, even in this dystopian future, there's, there's a path forward. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of people are realizing today is we've lived through a very broken era, hmm. but just because something's broken doesn't mean you have to throw it away. Um, it can things can be rebuilt. Um, and so, uh, yeah. So I think that's the story I'm putting out of the universe now. I would love to bottle some of your optimism and your your work ethic and and just <laughs> slug it down and get my get my ideas rolling. I've got like two ideas for books that have been sitting around for, for a few years mm -hmm. and man, I just need, I need to dig in. I need to get to it. Do it, man. I, 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 I was just telling, I was just telling somebody, um, a, a, a college student met DM me on Instagram and asked if they could chat with me. They were writing a paper on dream careers, which I was obviously going to do it. I was super honored that they would reach out to me. And I had said, um, my only regret of my career is that I didn't start sooner. Mm. Uh, um, and and I granted, I think my books, I have to remind myself, Spencer and Locke could not have come out any earlier than it did. I was not developed enough as a person to write that book before I did. Um, but yeah, like, no, I, like, honestly, dessert first, write the stuff you like first, write an outline. You know, you don't have to just dive straight into the scripting phase. Right. Um, right. I've done that. You know, there's, yeah. If you've written an outline, then yeah, just have fun. Noodle around with it. Um, oh, like give yourself permission to be super bad at it. Um, like I do, I, I certainly have days where I'm like, Oh, this is my crappy writing day today. Yeah. Clearly. My problem um, is excuses. Cause mm -hmm. I have, I have a friend who I absolutely want to do the art. Yeah. But every time that I approach him about it, he's kind of a little guarded. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I'm using that, or I've been using that as an excuse 
not to progress my part of it because that element that I want of the story doesn't seem to be happening anytime soon. And I've been using that as like the reason that I'm not working on it in my free time is because that, that art element isn't, isn't there yet. So I, yeah, no, you, you know what? I can tell you from experience, write it and you're going to feel like a psychic weight off of your shoulders. Okay. Um, it, it I, I'm telling you, it, 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 you're going to feel like you ran a marathon, um, like in the best possible way. You're going to feel like a runner's high. Um, I, I, uh, Yes, do it. You will. I, I promise you. You will. Uh, you will. You will quite enjoy it. <laughs> uh, I want to share my idea with you, but I know you're not supposed to do that. All right. <laughs> show, show, show me when you get the first issue. I'll be excited to read it. Sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds like a plan. All right. Uh, I kind of. I kind of jumped in and, and interrupted you. Did you want to no, finish no. your thought, or should we? Uh... No. I, I. You know. I. I um... I guess the other thing that I'll say that it's probably, you know, it's, it's, it's a different angle, but just, um, I will say it's, you know, I, I like to play with different iconography in my, in my books. Um, I think that's probably a common through line, uh, whether it's, you know, playing with Calvin and Hobbes or in Spencer and Locke or wedding imagery and going to the chapel. And, um, yeah, just kind of playing around with a different boy scout, uh, you know, uh, uh, iconography it's just been it's been fun um you know uh you know for example we 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 introduced them a little in our second issue and we have them later on in the series but like the idea of like what's a swiss army knife look like in this post-apocalyptic world Mm. and so you know uh i was like luca let's just do some like final fantasy 7 swords (laughs) like they've got like they've got like different like different blades to them um that you can just kind of you know, flick out and you get yourself like a giant can opener, a Buster giant sword, Swiss army. Yeah. Knife. Yeah. So, um, you know, or, you know, you get a lighter like, Oh, what's that look like now with a giant sword? Um, you know, I talked about the game of telephone and just like, just like I'm not the central conduit editorially. And so I have to work with Mike and Christina to say, Hey, we need to make this change on this art. Or, oh, we don't have time to make the change in this art. Okay, like, how do we, you know, how do we do a workaround either in the coloring stage or the lettering stage? Um, it's the same way with history. Uh, history is just a giant game of telephone. And anybody who's read, like, The People's History of the United States by Howard Zinn knows that, you know, our even our history books are not always the most trustworthy. Huh. Um, and, you know, this is, you know, this is this is sort of the chief example. Um but yeah, things like the Eagle Scouts, things like you know, uh, wilderness survival, things like the switchblades and the merit badges, um, just to the you know the the sort of almost religious elements of the Boy Scouts meetings themselves. Um, those have been really fun to play with, um, and so uh, yeah, it's just been it's been a really fun experience getting to to, to put all that into this book. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Can't wait to talk to you again when uh, when this comes out. When is uh, – was it January 6th? January 6th. Uh, that's that's when issue one is scheduled to, to release. You can order it through your local comic shop now um, using the code uh, NOV for November, uh, 200, and then 994. So that's NOV200994. 
any comic shop uh, in the country can order that for you. It is uh, we are distributed through Diamond. Um, so yeah, just tell them to order uh, Scouts Honor number one uh, through AfterShock, or uh, uh, add a, ask them to add the whole thing to your pull list. Nice, nice. So any any news or updates concerning the future of Spencer and Locke or any other projects that you wanna you wanna pimp out real yeah. quick? Yeah. Um, so. Uh, uh, I'm hard at work on volume three. Um, I am, however, uh, in the interim, I am actually working on a superhero one shot uh, with with my uh, Spencer and Locke partner in crime, uh, uh, George Santiago Jr. Um, he just actually sent me the first half of inks last night. They look beautiful. Um, this is actually a project that I've had my brain longer than Spencer and Locke. So I was pleased as punch um, that George would bring this character to life. Um, I also uh, have a story in the Nightmare Theater Horror Anthology, which is uh, currently on Kickstarter. Um, I have my story, Die, Die, Danger Ronin, which is um, Power Rangers versus The Walking Dead. Um, (laughs) I'm super excited with how that turned out, uh, working with uh, artist Erica D'Urso, um on that one um she is just next level terrific um very excited for that one if you if you like anything super sentai um if you like uh anything zombie you're gonna love that story you can order that on kickstarter uh, i think for the next two weeks uh maybe a little less um so yeah nightmare theater horror anthology there's a whole murderer's row of talent on on board for that and then uh yeah be beyond that um i got a few other projects that are in the works um a little early to say um grand theft astro i should say we're still hard at work on the art for that um you know with covid things have been a little delayed on that book uh art wise but the book is written. We are slowly but surely kind of chiseling our way through getting that drawn. And, uh, yeah, um, you know, just working on a few other things, uh, working on a horror book uh, right now, working on uh, a YA book, weirdly enough. Hey. Um, uh, and then, yeah, a couple other uh, sci-fi-infused ideas that I'm starting to noodle around on and, uh, and a crime book that is – been on the back burner that i desperately need to attend to um so yes like i like i was telling you earlier very busy the best kind of busy uh only i, I wish i could clone myself to get this work done but yeah. then i'd have to pay me <laughs> uh, but uh yeah i'm just uh I, i'm the comics industry can be kind of a, a rough and tumble chaotic place um but i have long believed that the barometer of success is not about your speed and it's not even about your creativity it's about your threshold for pain and your unwillingness to leave and so uh i'm not going anywhere um and uh, <laughs> so uh i will keep I, I i will keep telling stories till they put a tag on my toe and uh I, i'm grateful for all the readers that keep following me hell yeah man nice i love your energy it's so good thank you thank you all right, let's uh, let's go to the final little piece here. That uh, something that I like to do with these interviews that Bob had dubbed the Fast Five. I'm going to ask you five questions, mm-hmm. and I just want you to say whatever comes to your mind. Yeah, Fast Five. It's my favorite Vin Diesel movie. It's, anyway, continue. it's the best one of those. It is definitely the best it one. It is of those. definitely the best one of those. I I love that series unabashedly, but like that's the one. Five's the best, followed by seven. Yes. Yes, that is the correct order. 
Yeah, and then I guess you go back to one. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you don't go to two. Two yes. is two is embarrassing. That is uh two Two's is almost worst. worse than three. It's definitely worse than three. I yeah. don't think there's I, no, it's definitely worse than three. Absolutely. Bruh. <laughs> All right. Um if you had to come up with a merit badge for twenty twenty, what would it be? Survival. <laughs> Roasting marshmallows, lightly tanned or burnt to a crisp? Lightly tanned. Okay, okay. My wife will leave it in the fire until it is black, rip the skin off of it, eat it, and then roast it again. Wow. Dude, she we I got like mega marshmallows a couple <laughs> of weeks ago, and she got five turns in the fire with this one marshmallow. It was amazing wow. to watch. She's a pro. I, I like leaving it. I like having it sticky for the s'mores. Yes. So. Yes. Okay. Hardcore excursion, like canoeing to the interior or bear proofing your food uh, for glamping. Oh, um, I like canoeing. I'll do the canoeing. All right. Sounds good. Okay. I hope that you, I hope that you know this reference because I, I floated this question to somebody earlier and they had no idea who I was talking about. Who would win in a fight? Smokey the Bear or Ranger Rick? Oh, um, Smokey the Bear uh, would 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 absolutely. He, I mean, Smokey the Bear is a recovering pyromaniac. I think everyone knows that, <laughs> and so uh, would absolutely light Ranger Rick on fire uh, just to watch him burn. So yes, Smokey, <laughs> Smokey wins. Did you subscribe to Ranger Rick when you were growing up? No, um, I, 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 you know, it's funny. I, I've only I learned about Ranger Rick because uh, because uh, uh, Star Lord calls Rocket Raccoon that in Guardians, and I had to look it up. <laughs> um, uh, but yes, <laughs> I, uh, yes, I, I, I believe I, we might even have a small Smoky reference in scouts honor i don't know if that part has been drawn yet so i don't know if it will make the final cut but i certainly wrote it in a script so i'm curious to see if it'll actually show up good stuff (laughs) all right final question uh this is a big one what are your comic book resolutions for 2021 um write more that's that's write more find more artists get more books out um, it's the same resolution every year, um, but I want to keep doing more of it. Right on, man. Very cool. Yeah. All right. So I uh, I want to thank you again. For, oh, my pleasure. For, Thanks for, for having me. Us. Oh, absolutely, dude. You are welcome anytime. We always love to uh, to chill out with you, and this was fun to do this one on one today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and any readers who 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 want to follow anything that I'm doing. Um, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Pepos D. It's my last name, first initial. You can follow David Pepos Comics on Facebook. Uh, you can subscribe to my newsletter, Pep Talks, at bit.ly slash pepnews. Uh, or you can visit my website at davidpepos.com. Damn, dude. You, like, I, the thing that I love about interviewing you so much is that you do most of the heavy lifting for me whenever you're on, that I have this whole script, and I'm just sitting here deleting stuff because I don't got to do it. Uh, you know, uh, 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 over a decade being on the other side of the table at Newsarama, I I, uh, I know my way around an interview. Uh, I just appreciate that you had great questions waiting for me. Um, uh, 
but yeah, I no, I really, you know, as always, I I, I I love going on talking comics. I appreciate you taking the time as always. Um and, and thank you to to uh our readers who uh uh you know who are interested in Scout's Honor. Uh, like I said, tell your local comic shop to pre order it for you. Uh for any of our readers uh who backed the OZ. If you have not backed it and you want a copy, you can still order copies on our backer kit store. Um, so you can check that out, uh, the ozcomic.backerkit.com. Um, but yeah, um, thanks for having me. It's, it's, it's always a pleasure catching up. And uh, thanks again for taking the time. Yeah, man. Our door is always open to you. You are, you are one of our favorite people. And uh, this was an absolute pleasure. Well, thank, sure. you so, thank you so much. And, and have, a, have a great rest of your day and, and uh, be safe out there.